bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of adjustment. But, but answer my question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits well, a homicide and kills people up... Nah, if you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. This is The Truth of the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is, got to find the right mouse, (laughs) the number. So it's interesting, to say the least. I talk a lot about the justice system. I talk about whether or not the justice system will work. I talk about whether or not things will go well. Let me repeat myself. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. This is Truth in the Afternoon on the new 1017. The Truth, 833-212-1017 is the number. Remember to join us here on the award-winning 1017 The Truth. We stream live on YouTube and Twitter, or you can go to 1017thetruth.com and click watch or listen live. If you have email, you can send it to me at the at the email titled host at 1017thetruth.com. So remember we discussed the woman in Shorewood, Wisconsin, who decided that she wanted to be, you know, mean, vindictive. But see, I don't know if we should call her a Karen or a North Shore Nancy. Maybe her name is Nancy Karen. Karen Nancy. I don't, I don't know. I just made that up. So 
for those of you who haven't heard, Stephanie Rapkin, she's the Shrewwood attorney, right? She's the Shrewwood attorney. She was found guilty for spitting on a black teenager during a 2020 Black Lives Matter protest. So today, she was sentenced. She received four days partial credit. She refused to serve probation, which is actually a smart thing when you go to jail and somebody wants to give you probation because then you got to watch everything you say and do for two years, three years, four years. And then if you mess up, like, out of 360, let's say they gave you a year of probation. I've never heard of anybody getting one year of probation. It's always two, no matter what they did, right? If you mess up, let me see, 365 and 365. Let's just say roughly 750 days. If you mess up on 749, you go back and serve the original sentence. So if you got nine months stayed, two years probation, and you were on probation for 749 days and then you messed up, you violated your probation and they could send you back for the whole nine months minus time served. So that was smart. Don't take probation. Take the days. Well, Stephanie Rapkin was sentenced to 60 days in jail for spitting in the face of a black teenager on video. And then when she went to jail, gave the police a rough time. She has to begin serving her time today. Got four days. So in 58 days, she'll be rolling out. Wait, 56 days, she'll be rolling out of jail. Video showed Rapkin spitting at 17-year-old Eric Lucas, an official say her saliva struck him in the face and mouth area and on top of his shirt. In April, a jury deliberated how long you think? Three hours. And ultimately, ultimately came back with a guilty verdict of disorderly conduct. I don't know Let me rephrase that. I know very few people, if any, who went to jail for disorderly conduct. That's like going to jail for operating after revocation. That's like going to jail for operating after suspension of your driver's license or your license plates. What does that mean? Okay, I'm going to use a derogatory word, and I hope you don't get mad at me. You must have pissed off. The judge, pretty bad, pretty bad for you to get sentenced to jail for driving. I'm not talking about reckless driving. I'm talking about your license revoked or suspended, your plates suspended. Did you make the judge that mad? Well, Stephanie Ratkin decided that she declined further comment to the judge in order to plead her case any further, and she refused probation. So she got 60 days. At a time when black people walking on your grass, at a time being in the, I forget what you call it, down in Manhattan, the uh, forestry area. Anyway, 
right? And some Karen calls the police on you because you got binoculars and you're bird watching, who promptly said, black people don't bird watch. Because, you know, we're not smart enough to do such intelligent things as that. As if watching birds is intelligent. It seems kind of dumb. It's like watching goldfish. But I digress. Some of the assumptions white people make about us make no sense. And I'm generalizing because I've heard some of these things. Oh, you do that? What are you even talking about? The majority of places I go where there are predominantly black men and women are usually places where everybody in the room, minimum education is a bachelor's degree, and the majority have a graduate degree. Like, not in graduate school, but actually completed. So I don't understand where people see and how people see other people. That's just weird. We make assumptions based on people by how they look. And black people do it too. But you would think that a woman who's a member of the bar of the state of Wisconsin, who lives in Shorewood, one of the one of the most liberal enclaves of Wisconsin outside of Madison sees a black man, black boy, walking up the street and promptly spits in the teen's face. Now, if I'm not mistaken, he was under 18. So she should have been charged with a felony because the person was a juvenile. And I don't see any age in here. Maybe I'm incorrect. I'm sorry. 17-year-old Eric Lucas. So that means Eric was what? A juvenile. He wasn't a grown man. He was a juvenile. But I find it funny. If it was a little white boy, they would have called him a 17-year-old boy or a 17-year-old teen. They just called him 17-year-old Eric Lucas. Thank you, Channel 58 Newsroom. Yeah, I call you out too. I like you, but I'm calling you out too. And I find that unfortunate that in this instance, based on what she said to a 17-year-old black boy, black teen, 60 days. That doesn't translate for me. Charged with state disorderly conduct, she could have gotten up to 90, I'm sorry, up to nine months. In prison, nine months. Well, no, she could have got it nine months at the House of Correction. But they ended up charging her with a misdemeanor. Okay, let let me get it right. If it was a felony, she would have went to prison because they would have given her a year or more. But because it was a misdemeanor and it was under a year, she could go to the House of Correction, to jail. But is this another case of the white prosecutor? with the white woman on the North Shore and giving her a lesser charge? Because that sounds suspect too. Because I'm pretty sure if I was black and I spit in a white woman's face, I would not be standing here right now. My black behind would be sitting in prison for a hate crime. And if she was over a certain age, it would be what? Some type of elder abuse. But instead... 
the white Shorewood attorney gets to spit in the face of an underage black teen and get 60 days, 6-0, which she'll do standing on her head if she has one. And it's unfortunate. But last time I checked, I had to ask myself the question. Can you say hate crime? And that is Dr. Ken's Truth on the new 1017 The Truth. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833. They don't make music like that no more. You know who Barry White is? You know who Barry White is? Wow. I'm going to have to get some Barry White music. Shake his head, no? Yeah. I'm going to have to get some Barry White music up in here. Man, these millennials are just, these Gen Z, boy, I tell you. They wonder, why you always complain about them? That's why. You lose your black card. It's over. If you had an honorary black card, you lose it too. So let me think. Lose your black card, it takes about a day. Honorary black card, it takes about five seconds. (laughs) I'm just kidding. 833-212-1017 is the number. So there was a story that's been going on, and we talk about affirmative action, and we've been doing these things, but... If I'm not mistaken, we release Supreme Court rulings in May and October, right? May, June, they make it in May, and then they release it in June, something like that, right? So why why are you whispering? Like, what what are you? you? I'm in producer mode. Oh, he's in producer mode. But he's he's a guest on my show. Can you turn him up? Because he'd be talking too soft until he gets mad at me, and then he talks so loud that he overpowers me, so. You know, there are a couple of, first of all, my guest today is in the first hour is Kyle Wallace, director of content for Good Karma Brands and former, former admissions counselor at two local universities. And so what I wanted to talk about today is an upcoming Supreme Court case on affirmative action that could potentially change the landscape of higher education, specifically regarding race conscience admissions. And so I got a article that really looks at future cases coming up 
in regards to the Constitution. So if you don't understand, nothing goes to the Supreme Court unless it is deemed to be a constitutional violation or or have an effect on your constitutional rights. That's how it makes it to the Supreme Court. So so their ruling on Roe v. Wade really has to do with the constitutionality of it and not whether or not you can or can't. Does that make sense? Well, when it comes to affirmative action in higher ed, well, Temple Law, they had some experts come and discuss the history of the, of the policy regarding affirmative action in higher ed, and they've got a couple of cases that are going to be coming uh, to fruition in what? This month? Next month? And so... Two lawsuits are challenging affirmative action, specifically race-conscious admissions at Harvard University and the University of North Carolina. So, Kyle, you've been accepting people uh, in your jobs as an admissions counselor, or in a, I don't know what to call it, admissions officer? I don't know. Um, and, and basically, you were able to choose who got in and who didn't get in. You made a very... Um, profound statement when you talked about how you admit people. And, and I wanted to have you on to really discuss the impact of the Supreme Court decision on affirmative action and whether or not whites are, I'll just let you explain it. No, Ken. So as you said, I worked at Marquette University and I worked at the University of Wisconsin Parkside. Both do holistic Reviews, which list, looks at a student's, the whole student, and not just race, not just grades, but it looks at, you know, the letters of recommendation that you have. It looks at the essay that a student produces. It also looks at the rigor of the coursework that a student went through. It looks at the activities that a student was part of for, as part of extracurricular. So it looks at the entire student. And so there is a lot of judgment that goes into that based off the way that I review an application and the way I review an application is very consistent. And so one thing that I had a problem with is that when you say that a student of color was admitted because they are black right, or because they are Hispanic or right. because they are Asian or being denied because they are Asian, I get offended because as an institution, a public or private institution who do holistic reviews, they have the judgment based off each application to determine what they deem to be fit for the institution. And so fit for the institution can mean a lot of different things. But one thing that you cannot take away is the diversity of thought and the diversity of what people can bring to the campus based off life experience should also be included in that because what's beautiful about a university is that you can get somebody who is from the DMV area, a very wealthy area, black area out there in the DMV area on the border of Maryland and the border of, of Virginia and D.C. Explain who, what DMV is. That's the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Inside that area, you will find a lot of black wealth, particularly in Maryland, where you find, you know, old black Significant. Old black Generational yeah. black wealth. Just a lot of very, very, very wealthy individuals that way. And their life experience, if they were to go to UW-Madison, the life experience they bring when they now get a chance to speak with somebody who attended you know, Rufus King High School in Milwaukee and maybe maybe a first generation black student as well. They have two different life experiences, but they both enhance the culture and the environment at UW-Madison. And then you get a kid from California, from Burbank, California, who's a white student that comes and attends UW-Madison. They're in a room together. And then you get a kid from, you know, Shorewood, who may be the cousin of 
Ole Miss spitting people's faces that attend UW-Madison, but you're able to get all these different diverse backgrounds in one institution because what these students get is they get a chance to experience different people's backgrounds, life experiences, and grow. And so that's why that should be part of that consideration when you talk about diversity. I know we talked about off-air. The reason why it's a slap in the face to think that only white students can get in based off merit and black students and people of color get in based off the color of their skin is disrespectful and a complete slap in the face of the effort and not believing that African-Americans can also get in based off merit as well. But we've gotten into other organizations. You know, we've gone to Ivy League. We've gone to University of Chicago, Loyola, Marquette, and so on. And so I just I just find it interesting that um, the two latest Students for Fair Admissions Incorporated versus the President and Fellows of Harvard College and Students for Fair Admissions Incorporated versus the University of North Carolina. The Harvard case alleges that the university's admission process violates Title VI of the Civil Rights Act, particularly claiming that Asian Americans are disenfranchised and disadvantaged because the admissions practice holds them to a higher standard. But that's the university's if they decide they want to hold Asians to a higher standard, they can't. And, and, and part of that as well is that you want a diversity of thought and backgrounds at your institution. If you're poor, if you get 1,000 students that apply, and out of that 1,000 students that apply, 250 are Asian students, 250 are white, and 500 is the rest, and you want to have a diverse pool, is that – Yes, you're being compared to the whole, but when I want to have diversity, I can't accept all these Asian students because of the fact that based off what we want our campus to look like, Mm -hmm. we may not want it to just be pure Asian, not because we don't want Asian students here, but based off the fact that we want to have, we don't have a limited number of seats and we need to fill these seats with diverse students. So that Asian student that's doing very well, they may not, we may choose the black student that's very doing very well or the white student or the Hispanic student doing very well because we want to have that diversity and universe in Harvard University has every right to determine what their student body population looks like, and they can determine whether or not they feel like they want to admit this student versus that student because they have that choice as a private institution across this country. The University of North Carolina case argues that the university uses race as a plus factor, meaning race is given too much weight during the admissions consideration and has not sufficiently considered race-neutral policies that could achieve diversity. Students for Fair Admissions argues the policy violates the Equal Protection Clause, under the 14th Amendment, equal protection and college admissions? Okay, anyway. Um, they also say is proposing to replace affirmative action with class-conscious admissions. The organization believes class-conscious admissions would allow schools to achieve a diverse student body and benefit disadvantaged students without considering race. But the fact that you said that to replace affirmative action sounds like you're saying that that's how black people will get in because they're poor who don't have the level of education that someone upper middle class or upper class may have because they would have had a better uh, elementary, middle, and high school experience just like them. That's the narrative that so many people like to push that, unfortunately, we don't push back on enough. 
of, I know you talk about it, you know, black people are not just poor. And that's why I used the example of the DMV, because that right. is a very wealthy area. I could have just yeah. went to the south suburbs of Chicago, if I say Country Cup Hills or something like that, where I'm able, oh, to, yeah. ta- I'm able to talk about Madison. the black well, Olympia Fields, I believe, as well. That's yep. black. Olympia so, Fields, Madison, M-A-T-T-E-S-O-N. Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of black wealth. So just making that assumption. Well, I was here that, in Wisconsin, too. You the, ever see them houses on the northwest side? Well, yeah, there, there's, there's black wealth here Brown as well. Brown deer? But those are communities that, Brown deer, that are specifically black communities. And so what I'm just saying is that it's just interesting how they just always use, if you think class or poor, you think African-American when that that is just not true. So do you think they'll end affirmative action? Overall, I think in the admissions process, I think it's over. It's a wrap. I don't think in. So that's that's gone. But I don't think it's that big of a deal because overall institutions can find a way around it. Because, again, when you do a holistic admissions process and I said this off air, if I have a two point seven five student, right. One student is black, one student is white. And I decide when I read the student's essays, when I read the student's extracurricular activities, when I read the student's letters of recommendation, I can determine that that black student brings more diversity, brings more thought, brings more, it elevates my institution in a way more than his other 2.75 students. Not all 2.75 students are the same. Not all 3.75 students are the same. It's what additionally can this student do to create Mm -hmm. a better environment for our overall campus. And that's where you have the discretion as an admissions counselor to make that determination. So that's why I, everybody's going to be real upset and mad when they strike down this and they're going to be like, oh, what are they going to do? We're gonna... No, it's, it's easy. You st- it still doesn't say you don't have the discretion. And no university, well, there some, are some, but most universities aren't going to say we're going to admit black students just to admit black students. Now, they may not even say it out loud, but just do it behind the scenes because they have the discretion to be able to do that. Well, the Temple Law School professors, Harris, Bendan, and Welbeck, agree that the United States Supreme Court will likely deem Harvard and UNC's programs unconstitutional and eliminate race-conscious admissions in higher education. The decision could also be limited to just affirmative action policies in higher ed or affirmative action altogether to also include employment, government contracting. Harris explained we could even get down to Proxies for race, geographical area, socioeconomic status also are under attack or at least potentially under attack. So you're going to do a blind admissions process where you take off anything that could identify the student's race, name, anything, gender. Are you just going to do blind admissions where you just basically get an application and you just admit that student blindly? Is that that is the only way? Because, again, I see that they put on here their ethnic background when they applied using the application. I see that they put down that they're African-American, that they're Native American, that they're mixed with white. I, I can see what they are. So regardless of if you want me to get rid of it, as an admissions counselor, as somebody who reviews applications, you still get to see the the background of this individual student. So, well, they'll limit that the same way they do accident reports, that there's a section of an accident report that's officer opinion, uh-huh. that when it's submitted to the court, that page is not. So that but that has to be but that's what I want to see. Where is that ruling where they're going to say admissions can no longer take that into account? And so no longer can ask that question based off what is your race? What is your ethnic background? Well, or what is your name? I mean, you can do a lot of guesses. <laughs> I mean, Kyle Wallace may not. You may not know what a Kyle Wallace is. But if you start yeah, reading, Kyle little, is a white name. But, yeah, but uh, okay. <laughs> if you start. But if you start. Kenneth reading, is a white name. But if you start reading my application, you start right. seeing my extracurricular activities. Oh, top teens of America. This organization that did a lot of stuff in Milwaukee where right. uplifts black teens. Oh, well, I ain't stupid. 
I mean, if you're trying to really build yeah, diversity, they may not know what type top, top teams. But they may America see that is. it works with black it, or uh, it's, you know a black organization. They see that they'll know, right? You know, just if you put in in the description. So I'm just saying, there's 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 life experiences that you can actually tell and dictate what somebody really is. Given its conservative majority, the Supreme Court is widely expected to remove race conscious admissions in higher education at higher ed institutions. This ruling could expand to further affirmative action policies prohibiting race consideration in areas such as employment, housing, government contracting. So although this challenge to affirmative action isn't new, I think the court is going to overturn the precedent. That's a slippery slope now. When you talk about government, if one thing talk about admitting students, but another thing talking about handing out government contracts and putting an emphasis on diversity because right. for too long, and again, we got to think about the history African-Americans weren't getting these contracts, right? There was, wasn't there, you said there was a law back in like the mm-hmm. 1920s where they wouldn't work with contractors that were. Oh, it was up to the 1970s. So, so, I mean, so you, yeah. so you can't, so this is the problem is that people forget the history, right? They forget where we came from and why these things exist. Very true. And so what does that mean? 833-212-1017 is the number. What are your thoughts? Do you think the Supreme Court is going to overturn and if they do, what shall we do? What are the alternatives? I have a few ideas. I'm pretty sure, Kyle. You're going to hang around for another segment or so? I can give you another segment on this beautiful day. Because I know you got so much work to do. So. Oh, I'll be all right. I appreciate that. Traffic, sports, and weather up next. More of The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. Flavor in your ear. Talking text line, Bug said, Kyle is talking from his, is taking from his anecdotal experience and seems like he has a rose-colored glasses perspective. These institutions will not enthusiastically look for ways to get around a ruling that ends race-based administration, however they work. Your thoughts? Yeah, I guess it is anecdotal because it's, it's it's not truly based in any type of research. But from my my experience working in the emissions field and going to many different conferences and having conversations with other emissions counselors, not only here in Wisconsin but honestly, truly across the country, because I did recruiting in Denver, I did recruiting, you know, in in the DMV, I did recruiting in Philly, I did recruiting in West Virginia, I did recruiting like in many uh, Pittsburgh area, uh, Detroit. I've been in a lot of different Illinois. And so based off my experience talking to admissions counselors from many institutions across this country, um, I truly do believe that when it comes to this admission standards, are there going to be some institutions that won't care about race? Yeah. But I believe most of these institutions that they say indoctrinate children are going to still put a priority on race and will find a way to still admit these students. So my, my concern is not on the majority of the institutions. Are there going to be some who don't care? Sure, they are. But why would you want to send your students there anyways? But aren't they— Or be admitted there. But aren't they really just just virtue signaling? 
we're doing it because someone else is doing it, and if someone else stops doing it, then they won't. When it comes to admitting black you students, know, that that runs rampant in, in higher education. No, because when it comes to black students, let me tell you something. It is it, heck. We are at the point now, and this is nothing new. Uh, you know, we're now uh, at Catholic Easter. They're they're protesting because they're upset. You know, middle school students are protesting because they're upset that their principal got fired. And so, what I'm saying is that. And we saw it at Marquette University multiple times over the last couple of years, though I may disagree with the way that they feel. They felt like the university wasn't doing enough to bring in black students. They made a noise about it. They protested about it and they tried to get something out of it. And just like you just saw at UW-Madison when they were offended about what some young, young lady said using the N-word right. and they demanded something, these students will use their voice. They will demand diversity. They will demand that um, the, the, that the university do everything they can to ensure that these institutions are more diverse. And so these are not quiet students. The Gen, Gen Z and whatever this next generation is called, they're not just going to sit there just like the generation before us didn't just sit there either. And so I'm not really concerned about that because I know the student population will speak up. And what will that do? Nothing. Well, no, it, at Marquette, what it did was it accelerated a plan they already had. There was already a plan to expand scholarships for students, for black boys particularly. And all it did was instead of having to wait two years, they got it right away. And so you'll, you'll see that what that pressure that applies when you get the news cameras on, but when you apply pressure, you see some change happens for the most part. I, I, I think you're, <clears throat> you've got rose-colored glasses on. I always have rose-colored <laughs> glasses on, but they, they rose-colored glasses that that well travel when it comes to the admissions thing. And even at even at Concordia, the, what they did before, where they had a, a, a university, it had some at Midtown before. Like that was part of their effort. You right. Know, that was to try to diversify. Right. And so there's a lot of institutions that have that put in that effort. And I, you know, was it just because they wanted to act like they wanted to do something? Maybe, maybe not. But I truly believe that you don't invest that type of money without trying to really try to make a difference and impact and seeing if it works or not. All right. Well, thank you, sir. If you have any comments, 833-212-1017 is the number. We'll be right back. More of The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harrison is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. Join 100 Black Men of Milwaukee as we host the program. Where do we go from here? Highlighting topics surrounding healthcare 2.0, long COVID-19, diabetes, and related mental health issues affecting the African American community. COVID pandemic has been declared ended, but has it really ended in the Black community? 
In a program made possible by Morehouse School of Medicine and National COVID-19 Resiliency Network, join us on Wednesday evening. It's May 24th, tomorrow at 6 o'clock p.m. with a rebroadcast Saturday, May 27th at 10 a.m. All right here. Where do we go from here on the award-winning 101.7 The Truth? 833-212-1017 is the number. Wayne said... It does more, Dr. Kidd, it does more than nothing. By the students having these tough conversations, they are possibly changing the thought process of individuals that will have hiring and firing decision making. If they could, they would have changed it already. But that's just me. Um, If we can start this next generation thinking more diversely about how they interact with each other, it's going to be better for our children's children. I don't think so. We complain we're not getting treated right, but then we won't go out and build our own stuff for ourselves. So which one is it? Like, you can't have it both ways. You want to live in a black community. You want a black mayor. You want black politicians to support you in a black community. Then you can't complain there's no diversity. Then you can't say you want diversity. Because that means you got to let white people in, Hispanic, Asian. You have to diversify. And we love our culture the same way they love their culture. What are we going to do? What will we do? 833-212-1017 is the number. Vincent, you're on the new 1017 The Truth. How are you this evening? Doing well, doing well, Dr. Ken. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. You know, we've been fighting this battle about affirmative action and diversity probably since the time it was was, uh, enacted. But nobody ever ever talks about the idea of legacy, that individuals get, get, get to go to college because their dad or their granddad, you know, went to that particular university right. or college. Nobody ever fights that particular battle. And, 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 and I want to make a point. My, my, my son and my daughter, they caddied for several years in order to receive the Evans Scholarship. And they, they both received, well, they both received the scholarship. My son didn't take it, but my daughter did. But once she got to the Evans house, the fact is she had students that, that were there in that particular house that never caddied in their life. So they basically got a free, they, they got a free ride on the Evans Scholarship for doing absolutely nothing when she caddied for at least four years. Right. And so nobody talks about those individuals who get into universities who basically, you know, don't cut the mustard and they're white or, or, or they're Asian. They don't talk about those individuals. But when it comes down to African-Americans who, who usually end up about one to two percent in these universities, the fact is one to two percent of, of, of end up in the universities. And then when you subtract the athletes, the percentage of African Americans, I'm talking American African Americans who go to these universities, right. is, is 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 minuscule. But they continue to want to harp on this and fight this particular and have this particular narrative, like they're they're letting students in that are not qualified. But you understand and, and, and that, that black people are not inherently smart enough to go to college. Period. Yes. And that's the narrative they've they've been pushing for years, and that's what they wanted. That, that and that's what they want people to believe. And the point is, these individuals go to college, they they, they graduate, and they become productive citizens in this society. But there are people out here and individuals that don't want that to happen. And so this is why we continue to fight this battle all the way up to the Supreme Court now. But 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 the point is, diversity is going to happen. 
because 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 the means because 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 we're going to rise we're going to rise to the to level past the mean anyway because we because we have an intelligent individuals that do that every day young kids that come out of high schools every day. But the point is, is that our individuals, other individuals that are going to these universities right. that don't cut the mustard every day, and they never talk about that. So let me ask you a question, Vincent. Do you think your children, you said it's your daughter? My daughter and my son. Go ahead. Do they want to be known as smart black kids or smart kids? Oh, they just want to be smart as smart kids. Okay. You know that that that's that's what they be known. They 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 just they just want to be known as smart kids. They want to be known as productive citizens of society, which they both are. So they're both very, they're both very very educated and they're, and and they have great careers, and that's what they want to be known as. Is that hey, I walked into this thing. Now, if you want to look at me like hey, that I got this just because of my color, just because of my color, right. that's your problem. That's your problem. But I'm going to continue. They're going to continue to live their lives. So why do you think it is that when we look at black students who get something like a scholarship, it's because they're black. But when a white person gets a scholarship, it's because they deserved it. Yeah, but, but that's that's the narrative. That's the narrative that has been pushed for years that any from from not only from a scholarship, but from employment or anything else. Anytime a black person gets something it's because, well, they didn't earn it. And that's the narrative that's being pushed out here, continues to be pushed out here, especially now they want to take it to the Supreme Court. But the point is, is that we are very successful, and, 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 and the only way they can keep their foot on our neck is to make try to show that we're somehow still inferior. And we're not inferior. In fact, we're superior. That's my, my take on the whole thing. <laughs> so, so I have one is, quick question, and if you can answer it in about 30 seconds. Okay. What if it was white people suing to go to an HBCU like Howard University or Morehouse College? They were suing, and, and, and I know whites have gone there, but they're suing, yeah. saying that they're letting in more black students than white students, and we want to get in. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> well, well, that that that's ridiculous. You we know, can't wait. Is, it is can't be ridiculous. No, you can't. Allowing... You can't disallow the law to be okay with black and not okay with white. Well, well that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. You can allow, you, the point is, you can't sue. Why how can you sue yes, a black you college? When yes, you, you still, can. You're still They're allowing, white, ones. You're still allowing white, white kids, kids into the universe. Yeah, but I want more in. Well, well, the, well the point <laughs> is, we don't, we, when, when has ever somebody black has sued? We want more black folks in the, in the university. The fact is, we 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 accept the fact of diversity and we we go with it. Okay. But the point is, we're 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 allowing white students in, in in HBCUs for various reasons, but they're 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 allowed in. And black people feel some way about that. Well, they could feel that way about it, but the point is, if if, if the university allows them in and, and you want diversity, then that's what you're going to have. All right. Thank you much, Vincent. Right. Appreciate you. And tell those All kids right. of yours, keep taking over the world. 833-212-1017 is the number. The caller says, uh, good doc. Here's a belated birthday gift, brother. I guess that's a happy birthday. And then says, this, these brilliant youngsters and his parents have found uh, his gift at age four. His name, I'm not going to say his name. Mm. Anyway. The late Bill Taylor would say he's positively Milwaukee. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got some pretty smart kids. 
My issue is carving them out because they're black instead of they happen to be black. These are smart kids who can stand on their own. The flip side to that is how do we control the narrative when it's a black kid and they're doing exceptionally well and phenomenally well, but then we carve out the, oh, yeah, they're the first black to do such and such. That's for our kids. That's for legacy purposes, not for public. And until we figure out a way how to fix that, I think we're always going to be looked down upon.